Welcome to the Reflective Teacher Podcast, brought to you by the Jewish United Fund of Chicago. I'm Martha Weil, and together with my real-life co-teacher and co-host, Lindsay Elliott, we're bringing you interviews with experts in early childhood education. We hope these stories will inspire you and give you that aha moment that we as teachers find so refreshing and clarifying. Over the course of this episode, we hope you'll reflect and make connections that will help you bring intention and motivation to your classroom each day. Today's episode is all about mindfulness. We talk with Erin Thorkelson, who's an awesome educator in an elementary classroom, and she's also an adult and children's yoga and mindfulness instructor. Um, She's a frequent speaker for topics such as mindfulness for parents and teachers, effective language with children, and she also helps teach mindfulness practices to young learners. Uh, In our interview with her, we talk about the importance of having your own mindfulness practice before you introduce it to your classroom. And we also talk about some great ways to incorporate mindfulness into your classroom culture so you can see lasting effects on your students. So now, without any further ado, here's our interview with Erin Thorkelson. Hello. Hi, is this Erin? Yes. Hi, this is Martha Weil and Lindsay Elliott. Hello. Hi, Martha and Lindsay. So great to connect. I know. How are you? I'm great. I'm I'm thrilled to be doing this. Great. Thank you. Can you hear me? I can hear you, Lindsay. It's a little harder to hear you. Yes, she's she's farther farther away. Um, That's okay. I'll try to speak up. Plus, I'm just like the sidekick. Got it. Martha will do the majority of the talking. No. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Great. First of all, I must say your voice is very zen. Yes. Oh boy. That's a good start. Very mindful. Yeah. Like you can really... All right. Well, I'm glad that's coming through. Yes. 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 <laughs> What's and so for oh. mindfulness in particular, we had actually sent out like a kind of questionnaire at the beginning oh, yeah. of this, kind of finding out like what teachers are interested in. And we got uh-huh. a ton of responses mindfulness on mindfulness. It was, was like number one. The top. Wow. <laughs> Everybody wanted to know about it. And I don't know what exactly people wanted to know about it, but I think a lot of people were interested in like, how to do mindfulness with your students, I'm assuming. Um, We're interested in that, and we're also really interested in mindfulness as a teacher for teachers. Wonderful. Well, I'm I'm well prepared for both of those areas. Perfect. Um, And to to demystify mindfulness a little bit, too. That's perfect. So let's start with a little bit about your background, professionally and um, personally. Okay. Uh, absolutely. Um, I'm. I've been a pretty long time educator, uh, specifically elementary teacher, the past eighteen years, and uh, worked in quite a few different grade levels. Early childhood is really where my heart is. I started as a pre-K teacher. Um, I I then did teach fourth grade for a little while, but have since been teaching kindergarten again. And that's sort of my my day job. And then I've been, uh, my evening work the past 18 years has been as a yoga teacher for adults. And I have done quite a bit of yoga with kids as well. That includes meditation and mindfulness. And then more recently, I've started doing some work teaching teachers. 
teachers. I run our associate teacher program at our school, and I also lead yoga teacher trainings. And it's it's always amazing to me to see how the art of teaching is so similar, you know, no matter sort of what what you're teaching. Um, so I do love um, working with adults in, in that way and thinking about the art of great teaching. And I've done some work um, leading yoga retreats internationally. And I think that's, that's sort of lots of different forms of, of educating. That's awesome. Um, mindfulness. Um, I guess before we talk about how you became interested in mindfulness, could you, sure. give, could you give a little bit of a definition in, in your own words? Absolutely. I'll give you this sort of official definition first and then sort of break down in my understanding of it. But um, So mindfulness is something that's been practiced for thousands of years, um, particularly in the East. And then John Kabat-Zinn, he's known as the father of mindfulness who brought it to the West in a a non-secular way. He's a scientist and professor, um, has a PhD from MIT in molecular biology, and he started um, what what is named MBSR, which is mindfulness-based stress reduction, in the 70s to help patients of his that were suffering from chronic pain. And um, his definition of mindfulness is that it's paying attention in a particular way on purpose in the present moment non-judgmentally. Um, so sort of my, my understanding of it is that it's we're sustaining our attention on something and we're doing it with kindness and curiosity. And so that could be um, a formal practice. Uh, uh, probably one of the most common ones is to listen to our breath and have our breath be this well, this thing that we're paying attention to on purpose. It's with us all the time. Everyone has it. Um, sometimes uh, listening to a sound, like you may hear a, a ring a chime. And I'll, I'll say getting into uh, lots of things to do with kids, but that's a nice one because it's so short. Um, but just to, to play a chime and then for for that period of time, you're just watching with your senses, paying attention, uh, and not getting the sort of kindness and curiosity piece is not getting mad at yourself or feeling like you can't do it or feeling like you're frustrated or even just watching that you are getting frustrated or kind of watching what emotions are showing up, but um, maintaining that sense in it. It's a practice um, of of doing it with kindness and, and curiosity. Sounds like a big awareness. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's like just, it's no, I feel like it's noticing. Like, yeah. just, and, and, and I like how you said not judging. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. It's, it's, it's awareness. So those, there's the formal practices. And then, um, I think there's informal practices of that kind of awareness as well. So for example, during the school year, I like to park my car at the end of the parking lot. And as I walk in from my car to the classroom, and this could be a simple practice for teachers, it's, I'm just noticing my surroundings and, and pay attention to my feet on the ground as I walk and what the sky is like that day but it's paying attention to what's there in that moment rather than being up in my head where I might be you know thinking okay what am I doing for morning meeting or you know the sort of to-do list for the day Um, but just for that short period of time being right where I am and taking that in 
And what are what do you think are the benefits of doing that instead of thinking about what am I doing for morning meeting? That's a great question. Um, I think that's that's where some of the calm comes from. Um, this this language comes more from my yoga world, but um, I think it you know we look at if we're ahead of the moment or behind it or in it, where our greatest power is and our greatest power comes from when we're, we're right where we are. Um, that's where we can sort of have the, the greatest clarity in common. It's not to say, I mean, it wouldn't be effective to live your whole day like that. We need to make to-do lists and be planning and be thinking. Totally. But um, I think we get very strong and our, our muscles can get very developed in um, sort of planning and doing. And so it's it's helpful to str- equally strengthen the muscles of being that um, allow us to be balanced. And some people talk about mindfulness. Uh, but besides awareness as providing space it's like it provides a pause so that we're not kind of reacting as much um and we can pause in our sort of making more thoughtful decisions and uh operate from our higher level functioning of our brains got it that's um fantastic Mm -hmm. like just so helpful especially in i think teacher teacher life yeah um how did you become so in- interested in mindfulness? Uh, you know, it sounds trite, but it, it really was a calling. Uh, before I could drive, I grew up in Chappaqua, New York, and it, yoga has become so popular now. I feel like, you know, every other corner, it's sort of like Starbucks, there's yoga studios <laughs> everywhere, which is, which is wonderful. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, 20 years ago, it definitely wasn't that way. And, but I was just drawn to it and I couldn't drive yet. And I asked my mom to drive me to a yoga class. Um, and I went to college in upstate New York and same thing, there really wasn't much yoga up there, but I would sort of seek out these studios. And I can remember telling my friends in the door, room I was going to yoga and there'd be guys that were like yogurt you're going to yogurt I mean just really um it, it had it wasn't the there wasn't the exposure there is now so um but I I was drawn to it and then I I did travel to New Zealand and that, that was probably the most kind of extreme of my um explorations and I lived in an ashram um Whoa. there but after that it was just I've just loved um really I think there's great teachers and great it's it's great if you're a student when you're a teacher and I I do personally love learning and um and love exploring and and one of the the fields has been in uh, mindfulness so just sort of every place I could take a class and checking out different studios both for yoga and mindfulness that's um that's been my my path since landing in Connecticut where I've been teaching that's awesome. And did you mention that you'd had a certification or like sought out some more like um, you you're a certified yoga teacher? I know that, right? Yeah, and I've done. I'm a certified yoga teacher, and I've done um, some of the different mindful training. So there's a, a program called Mindful Schools that you can do online. Mm. Um, highly mm. recommend that. And I've worked with a group called the Community Mindfulness Project. They don't offer a training, but um, it's been great just working. We go into schools and um, help teach teachers about mindfulness. And I think just working with them and and they have such an established program has been a, a, a learning place for me as well. 
Great, thank That's you. Awesome. It'll be great to put on our blog too. Hopefully. Good. So mindfulness as teachers, um, we all know that like things happen quickly, especially in yes. early childhood uh, yes. <laughs> settings. And I feel like mindfulness helps you when it's, you know, the difference between wow, the student just did something that makes me mad and <laughs> or makes me nervous or frustrated or whatever. And using mindfulness helps you kind of at least notice that, but maybe not react to that. Um, is, am I right? Uh, am I on track? A- absolutely. <laughs> um, I think it's it helps us learn and pay attention to what um, sort of our internal thermometer is. And so the, when we can practice it at other parts of the day, you know, in our morning, again, it doesn't have to be a formal practice. It could be just taking those first few sips of coffee, that sort of practice of not just paying attention to an object, but also paying attention to how we're feeling helps us learn at first how to do that kind of initial checking in. So then when we're on the blocks rug and, you know, someone's knocked down someone's tower for the third time and um, we have that reaction, um, I think it's exactly as you're saying that um, uh, over time, hopefully it's it's noticing, okay, I'm, am I in a place where I can respond or am I about to react? and um and to to catch yourself in that moment and and one thing that's nice to do with mindfulness even though as i said before it's it's great for the teachers to develop their own practice first i think in those moments when we're with kids and we're feeling reactive to model for them in that moment and say you know i'm feeling really overwhelmed right now or i'm feeling a little frustrated i'm going to take some deep breaths and if you'd like to join me you can too Um, yeah me too i feel like We've done that a few times. I need. I I want to try taking deep breaths with a child and invite them to join me, um, just to see what happens. But I love that. These are like very practical things to do with children, and they really. I feel like they really will stop and like want to do it with you. They like want yeah. to learn. I do find they, them very responsive to yeah. it, and um, you know, I don't know if some sometimes I wonder if it's almost like the exoticism, but like they're not right, used yeah. to it. They're like fascinated by it. Yeah. Um, but I, I am passionate. I didn't share this in sort of my bio, but um, of like the next phase of mindfulness, because I feel like currently it's great. It's wonderful. All these programs that are out there and getting it into schools and getting it with kids. But I find a lot of the practices are taking what adults do and finding a way. And I think like other programs are kind of, you know, writing programs I've seen sort of be the same way where they take something for an adult and like, how can we apply this for kids? Mm -hmm. But I think mindfulness for kids can look very, it it needs to have this sort of playful sensory um, experiential element more than kind of sitting on a cushion and meditating, if you know what I mean, like which is sort of the adult practice. So um, I think there's a whole new world of mindfulness to still be developed that will really help target uh, what kids need. Because also kids are already mindful. I mean, they're like, as far as being present, 
Um, yeah. I think that the not reactiveness is where we can help them and yeah. nurture them. But um, but being present, like there are teachers. I think they, they you know, yes. they're the ones that like that squirrel runs by and the whole class stops to sort of squeal about you know what's happening outside. <laughs> um, so that's a good point, though. They are very present. They're so present. And I find that a lot of like mindfulness for children materials, like we have this great book and maybe you know, maybe one of you knows the name. <laughs> it's it's about, it's the panda and the monkey. Oh, yes. Present panda. I don't know that something one. Something monkey. Yeah, present panda. I forget what the monkey's right, doing. But anyway, the, the panda is like... Um, trying to teach the monkey like when I'm walking I'm walking I'm not thinking about playing and when I'm playing I'm playing and I find like that is pretty much the experience that I think a lot of kids have exactly um and so I don't to me that it doesn't like always land with them I, I think it's a great book if you do need to slow somebody down um maybe if they're like doing a lot of anxious thinking ahead but exactly yeah I agree with you there is there's not I don't know many ways to help um the reaction stuff through mindfulness Mm. through a mindfulness perspective wait is it mine sorry mindful monkey happy panda Oh, yeah. Wait, who's mindful in that situation? I really Never butchered mind. it. I no, think. sorry. I, think, I don't know. We'll, we'll try to find it, but... Yeah. More on that I feel later. Like do yeah, it now. no, that's... that's that, I think that's sort of exactly my thinking as well. I mean, and it's all great to expose them to, but I tend to divide... Uh, mindfulness into sort of skills that children have naturally that we want to help them keep so for me you know when I think about kids it's that sense of awe that they have sense of joy sense of wonder being present like they're already like that but Mm -hmm. at some point as as they grow up I think they lose that and that's what's been so interesting for me being an adult yoga teacher it's like I'm with these kids during the day that are so present and in the moment and authentic to who they are and then teaching these adults at night coming to yoga looking to reconnect with all of those same skills you know they want to be present they want to feel joyful that these these young children have so Mm -hmm. it's interesting to think about education like what how what would a a education curriculum through the years look like so that as adults we don't get disconnected from those traits and then try to reconnect to them later on Mm. totally and, and what do you typically do to help adults connect to that? Um, I mean, I think it's, it's the same mindfulness skills of just turning inside and um, paying attention to that internal landscape and um, part of we've... Done, part of we've we've discussed mindfulness as the kind of awareness piece but um the community mindfulness project talks about it as two wings of a a bird so one wing is the awareness but the other wing is um more heart-centered practices and and their feeling and teaching is that you know if we're just teaching awareness and focusing and attention it's like you could create just a really good stockbroker like a really good someone that's really focused um, so that the heart opening practices are equally important to then create someone that's compassionate and uh, a little more heart centered. 
in that way. So um, I think so much of of yoga helps you reconnect to that sort of the deeper qualities of yourself where there's more of that kind of heart experience where the joy lives, where our passion lives. Um, and, and with kids, you know, just a real practical way um, to help them, them stay connected to that is in our classroom. I got this from this wonderful course in Vermont um, called Cultivating Cultivating Joy Through the Lens of Sustainability. And um, they suggested just the simple thing of in your classroom creating a wonder window. Um, and so one of your windows that looks outside, it's sort of designated as this wonder space um, where kids can go in, in with the intention of looking out and just noting all the things they're wondering. And in, depending on the age, there could be a little journal where they're writing those things or magnifying glasses. But um, something, the idea that it's encouraging that sense of wonder and curiosity. Yeah, that's very um, helpful in terms of like the, I feel like the, how are you saying it? Like the heart opening side, yeah. the feel good stuff. I, I also feel like the part that part of the heart center practice is just like gratitude in general. Yeah, gratitude. Because uh, I feel abs- like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Fun a fun sort of gratitude practice to do with kids mm-hmm. is to um, you know, go through the alphabet and for each letter something that they're they're grateful for. Or there's a really sweet one, um, mm-hmm. and I'm always like looking what do the kids respond to most like you know and I try out all these different ones what are they really responding to some of them as is are bombs you know they don't go well though but uh, we do this one called friendly wishes when somebody's absent because they're sick and it it really comes from um, sort of a more traditional practice it's called metta meditation where you are wishing loving kindness for yourself and this is for adults so this could be a, a teacher practice too so mm. so you would just be saying to yourself whatever the wish is may I be healthy and peaceful today and you would repeat that a couple times for yourself really feeling it then you think of someone um, whom you love you wish it for them you think of a neutral person you wish it for them you think of maybe someone that's challenging for you you wish it for them and then you grow broader and sort of think about wishing it to the whole world mm. so the, the way um oh good the way we transfer that to kids is we have a, a globe like a, a little cushy globe they hold and um when someone's absent the we, we just structure it where it's the line leader that gets the chance to kind of lead it <laughs> that day but um they would say they first say it for themselves um you know may i be may i be healthy today and as we get going i let them come up with the words of what they want to sort of wish may i be happy today and then who is ever sick they think of that person and the whole class is doing this so may um, uh, amanda feel better today and then holding the globe thinking about the broader world they say may all children who aren't at school today because they're sick feel better today oh, that's um, nice. and, and 
and and what's cute is the kid that's sick like when they know that we do this on the days they're not there their parents will sometimes email me and say oh Amanda says she's wondering if you're the class is sending her the friendly wishes or yes. um, she, she or they'll come in the next day and be like I could feel it when you sent oh. me the friendly wishes oh that's so sweet that's awesome I really like that yeah, I feel like the gratitude piece is so helpful. I feel like when we first started getting out of a more like traditional academic early childhood at our school and going into more of a project-based like constructivist approach, um, yeah. one of the things a consultant said to us was something about like mindfulness, like or, sorry, not mindfulness in particular, but gratitude in general and how important it is to like really like think about your own teaching and like your own job and like how you're grateful for each day and how like you're grateful mm. for your job and your students and just kind of really getting into that mindset. Mm, um, absolutely. It's just like a good way to start the day. Absolutely. That's, that's wonderful. Mm. You know, and it's interesting to do with kids. I, f- I don't know if you find this, but kids I think are so skilled sometimes, even really young kids. I mean, they can be brutally honest, but they can also <laughs> like, they, they know, I find when talking about gratitude, sort of the things they're supposed to say um, versus getting to what's really authentic. Do, yeah. you, do you know what I mean? Like Totally. Um, like I just, so I, I, one practice I found that simple is for one of our morning meeting greetings, they, they ask what makes you happy today? So, you know, good morning, Martha, what, what makes you happy? Um, so it's sort of building that sense of all these different things that make us happy. Right. And just, and also encouraging probably through modeling, doing it yourself, um, in front of them, like encouraging, like true responses that aren't necessarily like, cause I, I do know what you're saying about like almost canned answers that the kids, exactly, and not right. that they're wrong for doing that, but, um, it, it, they don't learn from it when they're yeah, saying what right. they think they should say. You have to dig a little deeper. Yeah. Right. Right. Or just With feel it questions. a little more authentically. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's that's awesome. I guess while we're talking about that, um, what are some ways to incorporate mindfulness, gratitude, awareness, all of those things more um, throughout your day? Sure. For as as a teacher or for the kids? Um, yeah, which we said. Okay. <laughs> Let's do both. I feel like we're in a place where we're just going for it. We're just going <laughs> to okay, do what great. we feel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we're being mindful. We're in the moment. We're making our decisions from the moment. Exactly. Uh, it's cool. <laughs> I think as a teacher, it's, as we've sort of discussed already, it's nice to have some practices outside of school yes. during mm-hmm. moments when there's naturally calm. So we can, yes. because it's hard work to do no matter what, of, of just sort of paying attention to how we're feeling and, um, living more in our body and with our breath and not so much up in our head. Um, so I, I think short is best if, if you're first starting. Um, mm-hmm. I always I have a little routine where I go. There's a beach across the street from our school, so I go to there every morning and set my, set my alarm on my phone for five minutes. Like it's really not long. And just sitting, and sometimes it's even less. Sometimes it's a little more if I'm lucky, but listening to my breath. Um the coffee meditation, as I mentioned, that's a, a favorite one of mine where I just try to be really present taking those first few sips of coffee. And then during the school day, um, I think it is watching that um, sort of internal thermometer of 
where am I? Where, how, is, if zeros come and 10 is stressed out, um, just sort of seeing where, where am I and getting to know for ourselves what, what things can I do to help myself when that thermometer is getting really high. Yeah. Um, and one sort of teaching point I often tell the associate teachers is if there's a particular student that you're really kind of getting into a reactive moment with, that we don't always have to solve things right in that moment. So to say to the student, I'm going to need some time to think about this and I'll get back to you um, in a little bit or, you know, why don't you do some thinking as well? That would be sort of one example of mindfulness for teachers in the classroom. Um, maybe it's knowing that if you can just go fill up, take a walk to fill up your water bottle when your kids go to a special or just walking over to take a few sips of water mm. or, um, you know, just a, a few things like that, that you, that you learn help you kind of de-escalate. And the breath again is such a, it's such a simple one, but it really is such a powerful one, um, that, that we can do quickly. Um, so, so, sorry, go ahead. Um, so th that, those would be some examples of the, the practices for teachers to do, yeah. um, sort of less overt practices, just kind of in the moment, in the classroom. And then the, the kid ones, um, I, could, I could really go on and on. I'll, I'll try to give you, I'll give you the sort of top um, picks of the ones that I found my students really like and respond to. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, one is, are you familiar with a Hoversman sphere? It's like that sort of yes. plastic that, that ball that expands and right. drops. Yes. <laughs> we had one in our room at some point. The plastic ball that like, it's a it colorful, gets teeny, right? and then you can pull yes. it out. You can kind of like emulate your breath. Exactly. Because I think for kids, it needs to be sensory. It needs to be tangible. Um, it needs to be playful if possible. So, um... We would, again, the way I set up mindfulness in my classroom is in the beginning of the year, um, during morning meeting, I'll introduce a, a whole bunch of these different practices, and then we create what's called a mindfulness menu, because just like adults, there's there's lots of ways to be mindful. It's not just, you know, sitting and on a cushion and meditating. Maybe mindfulness is gardening for you or walking on the beach. And um, so I think kids need a variety of practices to pick from too, because there'll be some that they'll resonate with more than others. So we create this mindfulness menu of all sorts of different practices. And then as we get going, then um, a student each day as part of our mindful, our morning meeting will lead us in one of those practices. And um, that's, that's to make sure we're sort of doing it, to create that routine of doing it every day, just like me going to the beach before school. And then um, we do it in the afternoon as well. Uh, and, then, and then it's sort of as needed as a class, but I, I always, when I teach mindfulness, I like to talk about it, it's important that it's not only used um, as like a consequence like if teachers are saying oh everyone's yes. so wild we need to do mindfulness so that yeah. kids aren't sort of seeing it from that point of view um, but that it's just part of our day so um, short but frequent practices of it and then we have a, a 
area in our classroom called the magical tent, which is sort of like a quiet space. Sometimes it's like a take a break place, but um, it's it's open. It's used in lots of ways, but it's really a one to two person place. And we'll have a book of all of these different mindfulness practices in there that a child on their own can just go and, and turn to and some of these um, you know various tools, which I'll explain. So just having different kind of areas in the room that lend to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have another area in our room called the peace table, and that's our conflict resolution area. And there um, we have some of these different mindfulness practices posted. And part of the sort of rule of the peace table is that the first step is to calm down and to sort of choose however they would like to, to do that from these cards. And, and sometimes kids are able to do it on their own. Sometimes it's more of a teacher-facilitated space. Um, but so to, to the practices, one would be the Hobersman sphere, where a student is leading and taking three big deep breaths, and the rest of the class pretends that they have their own Hobersman spheres that they slowly open and close with their breath. Um, and sometimes it's just that. Sometimes I'll ask them afterwards, how do you feel? You know, how did you feel when we started? How do you feel now? And really encourage all responses because sometimes I find there's they're so dear it's sort of like the gratitude thing where they right. always will say I feel so calm or right. <laughs> so relaxed I'm like well does anyone not does anyone feel something different or um so that I think another aspect we're teaching and this is helpful as an adult as, as well to know that all emotions are okay you know all emotions serve us um we do a greeting called What's the Weather Today, which is a sort of mindfulness-related greeting of not the external weather, but our own internal weather. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm feeling really happy, that might be that I'm feeling sunny here. Ooh, um, and and using that as a way to talk to them how emotions are always changing and so we may come into school feeling rainy or sad or thunderstorms because we're mad at our sister who did something in the car on the way to school mm-hmm. but let's watch and see let's let's when we check in at recess after recess this afternoon maybe the weather's changed um mm-hmm. so to to help them get into that and i think that's always helpful for me to remember as an adult that we're never kind of stuck feeling one way even though especially if it's a challenging emotion it can it can seem that way that's so true yeah I think one of the ways going back to teachers that um mindfulness has helped me is like when communicating with a parent or even with a colleague too like if something happens that's upsetting to me or hard for me to deal with in some way um, I often feel like, oh my God, fix it now, make it better right. now. And often when I, and I'm never like reactive in a way that gets, that makes things like necessarily like escalated or like worse in right. that way. But you like think about it. But I think about yeah. it. And I also, my knee jerk reaction in those, in those um, moments is always just like not the best one. And I, and I find that like, the, the best thing to do is to be like, wait 15 minutes and see if you feel the same way and if you want to do the same things. <laughs> you absolutely, absolutely. 
absolutely. Whenever I get that email, it's like, all right, I'm going to just wait on. Yeah, right. I think that's, that's, and that's, I think exactly, you know, that sort of tying with what's the weather. It's just sort of um, letting the emotions surface and then settle and then kind of seeing what we're we're left with. Right. Um, what about for younger children as well? Um, maybe who are a little bit less verbal. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, actually related to that sort of idea of emotions rising and settling, um, making, using a snow globe and, and that can be a way to just kind of teach about that reactive place in general. So to sort of really shake around a snow globe and say how this could be like our mind or how we maybe feel inside when we get upset. And then, you know, let's watch as we're just quiet and still what happens and watching the snow settle. Um, and it could also be used in the way of, um, just like we might watch our breath or watch the Hobersman sphere simply as if that's our object that we're paying attention right. to watching the snow and the snow globe settle. And there's lots of Pinterest. You can, you can make your own. I think that people have different names for them, mindfulness jars or totally. meditation jars. But, um, one of my favorites is, and I think this came from mindful schools is a listening to the rain mindfulness exercise. So, uh, you know, we tell our students in the beginning of the year, whenever there's a hard rain we'll stop what we're doing if we if it works and go over to the windows and open the windows and just listen to the rain and they love that one yeah, um, that's awesome I love that one I do too <laughs> my daughter yeah. asked the other day during the thunderstorm and she was like boom boom and she was you could tell she's like loud like she's already noticing it she's just too but it's so cute that she's already tuned into like the weather yeah, outside. Yeah. And now she continually talks about like the rain and boom boom. Because it's so uh, big and yeah. it, and it is it does cause you to stop and yeah. kind of be like kind of silence your inner yeah. self. absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and just the sort of being in the senses experience of it. You know, what are you hearing? What are you smelling? Um, I think the sm- using the sense of smell is a really great one with young younger kids. Well, I'll do something where I have them spread out around the room and lay down and have some sort of um, scented spray, like a lemon spray, all natural. Um, and I, as it is with adults, always giving it to them as a choice. And I'll say, if, if you don't want this, you can say no when I come around. You could put your hand on your belly to say no. Um but spraying it at their feet while they're laying down and then they need to breathe deeply enough to see if they can smell it from all the way down at their feet and they, right. they, they love Ooh, that one that's fun a yeah. little challenge in there too <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah I think it's just like um, spritz on their head and- <laughs> I like the feet idea <laughs> <laughs> and they, they smell so good then the rest of the day yeah <laughs> uh, and the, the last one I'll share now is that they they high, they request this one a lot. It's called roller coaster roller coaster breathing. So if you spread out the fingers of your hand, one hand, and then use the index finger to trace up your thumb. So you take a big breath in as you trace up your thumb, and then go down that slope of your thumb to your pointer finger and um, breathe in again and then exhale to breathe down and inhale to breathe up the next finger and to make it playful with younger kids it could be with more sound effects like whoop as you breathe in and whoo as 
you breathe out. Oh, um, I like that. So it's it's working with the breath, and it's there's they say the fingers is similar to reflexology. There's a lot of nerve endings of the, in the um, tips of the fingers that when you get that sort of gentle contact, that can in itself be a self soother. And that could also be something for a teacher to help a child who is um, maybe feeling very um, upset to kind of say, like, can I take your hand and show you something and kind of do it with them? Absolutely. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And what do you think, how do you think that helps children um, overall? I had um, a, a student in my class this past year who I saw really kind of respond in a lot of different ways to these these practices in the beginning of the year she was pretty reactive she was like a foot stomper um and and had some tantrum competition was really hard for her like it was she'd be pretty upset if she lost um and I think that I could see her in the beginning of the year when she'd be angry and the classic like use your word she was pinching and um but through doing these practices it it did give her the uh ability to name what she was feeling where then there was one day where she said I'm just getting angrier and angrier and I thought okay this is a win you know she's able to to voice what she's saying um or or getting frustrated and I overheard her saying deep breaths deep breaths um (laughs) and we we teach them when um you know, one way if you're feeling frustrated when you get out in a game or you don't get the color that you wanted in picking something, totally. that we, we shrug our shoulders and we say, oh, well, and we practice that and we say, oh, well, um, and I, I saw her doing that. So oh. I, I think, it, you know, just in sort of seeing the, the progress there and the just as we're sort of working on phonemic awareness every day to be working on these skills every day, it, it, it sinks in. It's a muscle. You got to yeah. exactly. work it out. <laughs> and it's like, exactly. It is nice because some kids do really respond and really need it more than others, but it's still like, it's not hurtful for anyone. And it's definitely like only helpful for everyone, you know? Right. It's, you can give it to everybody. Yeah. Absolutely. And again, the sort of thinking about mindfulness broadly beyond just meditation so that I think there's ways for every child to have some aspect of it that they resonate with. Like, you know, maybe it's, we have, um, a wheat grinder. I got this from my Waldorf days, <laughs> but um, a wheat grinder in our room, which is for the kid that needs that kind of exertion. Um, so you sort of tighten the cranks on it tight, and then they grind, you know, go over there to sort of crank crank these gears. Um, and that, you know, because adults too, you know, there's the there's the adult that needs to go to spinning to be able to then sit quietly. You know, it's you're right. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think sort of varied or this one particular student, um, we made it so that she could go outside and, and go for a short walk and um, pick, pick wildflowers or pick up some oh. leaves. Um, so I think, you know, thinking about mindfulness broadly uh, and not just about being still and being quiet is um, important. And, and to teach that too, but um, it, it can be much bigger than that in ways where it'll better serve kids. I feel like an understanding that I'm taking from this 
that I didn't have before is that it's just, it is a very broad, almost like curriculum mindfulness. And it needs to be, it's not just like a every couple days or weeks even, like a couple mindfulness activities here and there. It's really something, if you want to see the change, those changes in in your student's behavior or in their ability to um, cope with uh, things that are hard for them, you really need to be doing this consistently and often and often. Absolutely. You know, hearing you say that makes me think about our, our school's done a lot of work around inclusivity and, and diversity. Mm-hmm. And I think the the shift we've made there, and it's, it's the same for mindfulness, is exactly what you're saying, that it's not sort of that lesson, that sort of particular lesson, but more just sort of every day, every moment, this is, this is um, how we are. Mm-hmm. Right. I feel like I, I tend to think of it in those moments where it's just a little more crazy in the room. And I'm like, okay, wait, we should really like incorporate a mindfulness practice right now. But you're right. You have to like continually be kind of modeling it so that it's not just about moments of kind of more craziness. Right. Like mindfulness needs to be in your room. It needs to be a part of your like classroom culture, yeah. I feel like. And part of your life too, like we were saying as a teacher. I, I, Absolutely. Um, and and I think it helps us make better choices in those crazy moments mm-hmm. from what kids really need in that moment. So, you know, just because they're wild doesn't mean that I think they always need the counter of getting quiet and still. You know, right. maybe they need to be more wild or have a dance party with some right. um, sort of regulations around it to then get quiet yeah. and still. So they're telling um, you their behavior is communicating to yeah. you, maybe we need more of this like kind of craziness but yeah and so and so being more practiced at being mindful and reflective would help you kind of um, detect that more easily absolutely while, while still maintaining that um, sort of sense of joy and ease with it all that I think a, a, a mindful teacher is able to carry because when the behavior is getting crazy, um, they're not t- taking it personally either. Right. Like, you know, why don't these kids listen or, um, or self doubt, you know, I must be doing something wrong that my, my class is acting this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can sort of see with that broader perspective of like, okay, they're needing something here that they're not getting. What do they need? Um, and you know, what are, what's my toolbox of all these different exercises I have that I can have them do, or this one child go do that needs to go into the magical tent and do this thing or go out, go grind some weed or whatever. And I think it's really important to, like you were saying before, it's not, um, uh, like punitive. It's not like now you need to go and use the, um, what's that breathing ball? Right, the Hoversman's fear. It's Hoversman's fear time. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's like I, I notice that you're really upset, and I feel like this would help you, um, maybe calm calm your body down or something like that. You're not you're doing it to help them and not to stop them. Almost absolutely. Punish, or, yeah. yeah. And then sometimes with with choices, if the child's sort of old enough or at that point, so um, it's it's looking like you need um, a break right now. Do, would you like to go for a walk or would you rather um, use the Hoversman sphere or, you know, so, right. so that they're 
um, I mean, as that comes from, that's a best practice in itself, I think, right, is sort of giving mm-hmm. giving choices so kids can sort of have their power in the moment, too. Exactly. Um, well, thank you so much yeah. for um, chatting with us, Erin. Yes. Um, we'll definitely my, be in touch and let you know. total pleasure, and it's just wonderful what you're doing, and mm-hmm. I can tell what wonderful educators both of you are. Oh, well, thank, thank you, you so much. Sweet. Well, what a joy, and I I can't wait to listen to your other episodes, and good for you for doing this good in the world. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. All right, we will talk soon. All right, take care. You too. Bye. Bye. So that's our show. If you want to learn more about Erin and the topics we covered, head over to www.thereflectiveteacherpodcast.com. That's our website, and on it we post show notes for each episode and resources so you can learn more about each topic we discuss. While you're there, make sure you subscribe to our mailing list so you can stay up to date on all things Reflective Teacher Podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at the Reflective Teacher Podcast or find us on Facebook under the same name. Thanks for listening.